Hello, TUMC, and welcome to another episode of our podcast, Voices. And we have our Advent series going on right now, and we're already at week three. The word that we're thinking about this week is wait. We're looking at scripture from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 15, and we have a really lovely guest this week. Her name is Whitney. And she's one of the newer members here at this church. She's a mom with three children. And this is a bit of a strange text. It's not all that different from the first week's text on Mark. It's part of the apocalyptic texts in the New Testament that include that passage from Mark. You'll see it in Revelation, of course. And here in Second Peter, talking about the heavens passing away and fire and sort of a veil lifting where the truth and reality of creation is revealed. What does that have to do with waiting? And what does that have to do with Christmas? There's a lot of really interesting questions to unpack in this text. So I hope that you're able to sit back, relax, take a walk, get on your morning commute, and spend some time with us as we talk about waiting. The scripture for this week is from 2 Peter 3, verses 8 through 15. Don't let it escape your notice, dear friends, that with the Lord a single day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a single day. The Lord isn't slow to keep his promise, as some think of slowness, But he is patient toward you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to change their hearts and lives. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a dreadful noise. Elements will be consumed by fire, and the earth and all the works done on it will be exposed. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be? You must live holy and godly lives, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God. Because of that day, the heavens will be destroyed by fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness is at home. Therefore, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found by him in peace, pure and faultless. Consider the patience of our Lord to be salvation, just as our dear friend and brother Paul wrote to you, according to the wisdom given to him. So today we're with one of our newer members, Whitney, who has uh, agreed to come and talk with us about a pretty difficult text. So I just want to start with saying thank you for your bravery (laughs) and saying yes. (laughs) Um, I didn't, you know, um, I didn't let you choose the text at all. And it's probably not one you would have chosen. And so before we start talking, I think it's good to give some background about what's going on in this text. So Second Peter is uh, one of those very small books at the very end of the New Testament. And it's one that we probably overlook or, you know, it's not high on my list of biblical reading when I'm like, what am I going to read today from the Bible? It's not usually going to be Second Peter. The author of this text is writing at sort of a critical time in the life of the church. The apostles have all died And there is sort of this angst in the community about what that means for 
Christians? What does it mean that Jesus hasn't come back yet? What does it mean that the kingdom of God isn't happening? How do we still claim these things that we've said are truth when we don't really know when Jesus is returning? And what does it mean to be a Christian when the apostles aren't with us any longer? Second Peter is sort of answering the skeptics in a lot of ways. It's funny that we don't read Second Peter very often, at least to me, because really this is sort of where we are in the history of the church. We're pretty much in that spot of, you know, we're looking back literally thousands of years after Second Peter and going, yeah, uh, we're still here and we're still waiting. It was an interesting time when Second Peter was written. They think it was the late first or early second century. And when I took Christian Heritage One in seminary, we talked a lot about that period and how it wasn't actually legal to follow Christ. And there was a lot of persecution happening at the same time as heresy, false teachings about Christ, and then a lot of ridicule as well. I read a story written by a first century martyr and her friend who were imprisoned because they were preaching about Christ and they were praying and going in public places to preach and pray and gathering faithful messianic communities. That's what it was called during the time there. There wasn't even... Christian. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a term. It was just the strange thing that these really radical countercultural people were doing. And there's a lot of stories from that time written by these early martyrs trying to figure out what it meant to follow Christ and what it meant to suffer for Christ because they were, they were waiting for Christ to come again, and it wasn't happening, but they still held on to this hope that Christ was with them and would continue to be with them and would one day physically return. So that's a little bit of the background of what's going on there from the two theologians on this podcast. But there's a reason why we have Whitney here, <laughs> because, you know, it's easy for us to sort of get into the nitty gritty of where the text was written and what could it mean. But I think it's better to be talking about what does it mean for today in our own lives. Waiting paired with patience, that was one thing where as I kind of started to ideate questions about how can I best connect to this passage, I dwelled for quite a while on the distinction between just waiting and waiting with patience and how your faith is really built in having an awareness of those two similar but different states of being. You know, that's one of the parts of this text that, um, so I'm not good at waiting with patience at all. I think waiting with action, right? There's some, there's this idea of being a peacemaker, doing good things while you're waiting. And I think you're right about there being different types of waiting, right? That there is this, what I probably more often do, this like impatient toe tapping waiting. I know I'm thinking about right now how guilty I am of doing that with my children. I did it just last night. You know, the thing needs to happen now. I've decided it has to happen and then I tell my child, but I don't wait for them to be where I am. I don't have what Peter talks here, this grace that God has for us to, to be ready for Christ's return. I'm sort of like, it's time for bath. Everyone needs to get in gear, you know? And 
they're finishing the thing they were working on. They're, they're not where I am. And I just get more and more impatient as I go. And I fear, like, that's the kind of waiting I'm teaching my children. How do y'all... How do y'all practice waiting differently than that? <laughs> Teach me. <laughs> it looks it looks very similar to that in our house. I will say I am in our parenting partnership. I am more naturally patient than my husband, but he's more he's a doer. He's more practical. And so in the moments where we're trying to usher in the next activity, the movement of the schedule, this to that is often where, especially my three-year-old comes up with the most profound thought-provoking questions. He knows if I ask, if I can stump them, then they might get distracted and I won't have to get in the bathtub or they'll forget that it's been 30 minutes since they told me it was bedtime. Um, But I want to encourage these moments. They never seem to happen when I would like for them to happen. But it's for sure a struggle to kind of intellectually, I know this is a moment, this five minutes, it's not going to matter if I pause with you and indulge whatever it is you're asking of me or needing. But it, it does, you know, it's not, I wouldn't say it's habit. It's something that I'm working on. And it's always, you know, once we've gotten through the day or gotten through the routine, advanced the schedule, they're not going to remember that. We had to get in the car to make it on time for the show to start or I don't get too uh, focused on the routine because, again, those I don't want my kids to ever feel like a checklist item, um, to ever feel like they just did the thing. And all they remember from the experience is mom yelling or dad, you know, hurrying them along. I don't know how y'all have been feeling this Advent season, but, um, you know, the world is feeling pretty messy. Yeah. And feeling pretty grim. And um, I hope that our church and our community, Christian community, is always a safe place to ask questions and to ask to me the big question of why does God allow this to happen? I think I mean, that is literally what's being asked in this text. And it's easy to kind of get away from it. Of They're not just talking about like getting through a busy day. You know, uh, they're talking about why are people dying and being killed? And why are these terrible tyrants allowed to lead? And why doesn't God get here now and fix it? And sometimes that's what's hardest to me about these Advent texts, because on the one hand, I like to read the ends of books first, and I know that's a very controversial thing, but (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a fight in my household for sure. Um, You can always tell me the end of a book because I've already read it. I get so anxious about what's going to happen that if I don't read it, it's really hard for me to focus on the book. I have so much anxiety and I have read the end of the Bible so often. I think out of my anxiety, Elizabeth is laughing at me. (laughs) (laughs) Even as a kid, 
I'd be like, this is going to lay it out for me, right? Like, I'll know. And of course it doesn't. If you've ever read Revelation, um, it doesn't make a lot of sense, especially when you're like 11 and like, (laughs) now I'm going to get to the end and I'll have figured out what this is. Um, It leaves you with a lot more questions. And, um, you know, this text does that too, unfortunately, for someone like me. (laughs) It definitely has this combination of like, you know, the end's not here yet because God has all this patience, which if you're a person living in a terrible situation, that's kind of not a fun answer, you know? And then if you're the person in the terrible situation and you're looking to make a change, it's a really great answer, right? You have, oh, thank God. Thank God I still have the next day to try to be what he says later on in this text, um, you know, to, uh, if this all, if all of this is going to happen, you have to live holy and godly lives waiting for the day of God. And so some days this text gives me like so much grace where I can be like, you know what, today I wasn't patient with my kid, but I had that conversation with Whitney and now I'm going to really try to channel her ability to be present. Um, And I get this next day to try. And at the same time, I just wish I could already be the person that I wish I could be. y'all have someone in your life or is there someone that you can think of that did something a long time ago that still resonates in your own life today or a seed that was planted that maybe grew in you or in your family? I think a lot about my first pastor This was at Park City's Baptist Church in Dallas, the church I grew up in. And he reminded me a little bit of Mr. Rogers because he was very kind and he knew everybody's name and it was a massive church. So to me, that was very impressive. And there was a lot of instability in my life when I was growing up. And I remember being baptized And so you go into the baptistry and it's like a mikvah, you know, a pool of warm water. And so I've got my robe on over my swimsuit walking in and there's Dr. Pleitz who's wearing his robe over his fishing waders. Before he blesses me and dunks me under the water, he whispers in my ear, I'm so proud of you. I did end up walking away from the Baptist church, but having such a strong foundation in my faith based on the Bible and in part based on this pastor who loved me the way that God loves people was very special for me. And I'm certain that's part of the reason why I'm here today doing what I'm doing. I found myself thinking of little things that I don't know, you know, they're not moral things, maybe or ethical things. They're more like, the ways like traditions my family has or things that we do that I couldn't name who started it. Um, Or maybe my children won't know who started it, but they'll still be doing them. Like I think of 
making my grandmother's turkey stuffing on Thanksgiving. And I don't know if she made up that recipe or if she got it from other hands that gave it to her, that gave it to my mom, that give it to me, that I will give to my children. No one will know. This is where it comes from. <laughs> this is a thing we do for some reason. We are really big on that stuffing. You know, it's sort of the, I guess, the weird DNAs in families of the things that we do, the ways that we talk with one another. I can see elements of, you know, my grandmother, Cora, who I didn't know very well. Um, but I know she had sort of a zany personality and worked toward justice. And that's something in me that she didn't get to give to me, but it came to me through other people who gave it to me. What would it look like for y'all to be waiting for Jesus with this holiness that they talk about? Like, what does that look like in your own lives of growing something you may not see the outcome of? I'd like for my children to know that it's a good thing when Jesus comes. Based on what the scriptures say, it sounds fairly terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> like there's all this talk of fire. And why is there all this fire? Always fire. <laughs> there's fire. Stars falling. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's... It's it's like some portal opens or some veil is lifted or something. And it just, it sounds scary. Like angels sound scary. And there probably maybe will be angels and they'll probably be scary too. So I, I hope my I hope my kids know that it's a good thing. Jesus is here. Creation's gonna be made complete. My three-year-old has a lot of concern around um when I get to heaven. Who's going to be there with me? Yes. Who's not going to be there? Um, and I don't, if you have any advice on how to answer that, I'm all yours. <laughs> but my three-year-old did ask his teacher, why um, Why was God so mad when he sent the flood? Mm-hmm. Um, what did, like, he couldn't get over mm-hmm. the lack of detail that he had been given on mm-hmm. who, who you don't just do that if you're not so mad. Right. And so it's like explaining, I had to Google, I was like explaining, like, <laughs> how, how do I answer this question? I don't think I got um, anything sufficiently. You it know, kind adequate. of surprises me that that story is told to such young children because it's actually quite violent. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a complicated story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we love talking about the boat and the animals two the by animals, two, yeah. you know, pictorially it, it it's very whimsical, but it, it's not actually whimsical because the minute you take your mind outside of the ark, what's going on? That's a good story about waiting though. They had to wait 40 days on that boat. <laughs> I'm sure y'all remember the horrible ice storm in mm. 2021. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, we, we didn't have running water for three days. I think we had five days. We were not in Austin just yet. I think we had five days. Getting into Advent after or during the pandemic and the ice storm, all of that stuff was really hard to deal with waiting because it felt like everything was just waiting and unknown and sometimes scary. 
and just tiring. You know, every day y'all were young moms. We all, the three of us were, it was sort of a grind uh, just to get through every day. (laughs) And um, the other day I was helping to tuck in my eight-year-old and um, she uh, can get really emotional at night. She was crying about how things were different. And I was like, well, what do you mean by that? She was like, well, you and daddy are at work and I'm at school and I don't see y'all very much. And she was like, it used to be we were together every day, all day long. And now everything's different. And I miss being with you guys. And um, it just really hit me that, of course, that's her takeaway. You know, as a four and five-year-old, her takeaway of that time is so different than mine. And so much more lovely than my takeaway. And I'm just looping back to the text because maybe to me there's a piece there of maybe that's the truth of what was happening in that waiting. And I was seeing the persecution and the hardship. And she was seeing God's grace in that time. I was really hard on myself about my pandemic parenting for a long time because I did spend a lot of time scrolling on my phone. I spent a lot of time playing Animal Crossing and watching reality TV and letting my kids just do whatever. And I look back on it at pictures of the science and art experiments that we did. And we would have themed weekends (laughs) where, you know, we would say, okay, we're going to watch Moana and it's going to be a luau themed weekend and there would be food and I would order decorations on Amazon. Like I, I went all out because there wasn't anything else to do. So I look back on that and now they like both love to do crafts and they like doing little sensory science experiments and it definitely impacted my older child a lot more socially because that was second and third grade. But those good memories are what stand out more. When I think about your question earlier about if Jesus, what was it that you had asked if Jesus came, how would we want to be? Oh yeah, what would we be doing? Or What would we, or yeah, what would be like the ideal setting? You know, um, what I hear from the three of us as very busy women <laughs> who take the vocation of parenting really seriously, I almost wonder if Jesus would wish that we were a little easier on ourselves. Because here we are questioning, and I don't know if we need to do that so much. (laughs) I think, too, the questioning is definitely, for me at least, it contributes to my inability to be present in, in the moment. Yeah, giving myself a little more grace. Although at sharing your pandemic story and your daughter's different experience living through that time, I think the pandemic started about a month before I had my second son. Um, And I knew, so we were set home from work. I was so grateful for like the time at home. And then I knew, you know, what was ahead after we added our second son to the family. Of course, didn't anticipate that we would be home for over a year, <laughs> I knew that that was a gift of time, even though it was so terrible watching how much chaos it felt guilty, knowing that I've drawing so much gratitude from this terrible, terrible event that, you know, will always kind of be, I mean, think about in 20 years and you're traveling and someone from the other side of the world 
had this shared experience. Like what, what did you do? Where were you living when the world shut down? It's, it connects us Mm -hmm. to a lot of hard memories and a really challenging time. Mm -hmm. But my son, um, he was imitating me one day and I thought, oh, how (laughs) cute he's, he was pretending to type at my computer. He was wearing my glasses and he turns to me and he goes, go away, I'm working. And that that was just so crushing Mm -hmm. where I was just, oh, it was, this is how you, I think here I'm spending all this time with you. Yeah, we're doing crafts. I'm all of these things that um, I was imagined that I would do as a mom, but you get home from, from work at six and, you know, you're not jumping to get out the construction paper <laughs> while no. making dinner. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that, so him imitating me was something where I was like, I think that I'm doing, I see myself this one way and I'm not paying attention to how he's experiencing it just because I'm here and just because we're having a lot of time and I'm doing things that, yeah, I probably wouldn't be doing if I were coming home from work. But he only, yeah, remembered that, you know, I wasn't there playing with him and I was not patient. (laughs) Go away. I'm working. (laughs) So what is our word after interacting with this text or what should, what would we want to share with people after reading Second Peter, who are listening to this podcast, entering these busy days of waiting, what what would we want people to know? We've been trying, you know, each week on Sunday, we sit down, we light a candle on our Advent wreath, and we talk about that week's word. So yesterday was was peace, and we ended up not really talking about what's going on in the world that much more what Jesus did in his life and how we can respond to it. You said at the very beginning, Whitney, you talked about um, trying to slow down and listen to your kids, even when it's not on your to-do list and there are other things to do. I'll be taking that with me for sure of offering that grace to other people in my life, but also Um, grace to myself. And if I'm really honest, grace to God too, because I think I can do a lot of lecturing (laughs) to God about what I think needs to happen. And um, there's something to be said for what is, for doing the holy work in the waiting. I think waiting is a gift. I don't know if waiting in the way that our lives currently are right now with all the crazy feels like such a gift, but the kind of waiting where you're a little bored because you can make space to get that construction paper out and be creative. Maybe I'll try to look for a little bit of that this week. And that is the end of our Voices episode about waiting Thanks to Pastor Abby and Whitney for being such wonderful conversation partners in this podcast. The conversation went in some directions that really surprised all of us, but we had a good time doing it. It's always interesting talking about motherhood and the end of the world. Many thanks to Nathan and Amy who are working so hard behind the scenes 
with all the other things going on this season, making this podcast happen. And I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Peace. I now invite you to pray with me as we end today's podcast, as we meditate on the word wait. God, waiting is hard. And we confess that we are not great at it. We like things to be immediate. And we want things to go our way. God, forgive us for the ways we become impatient with ourselves, with each other, with this world. Forgive us for the ways that we are being impatient even right now as we prepare for all of the things on our lists that are about the holidays. God, help us to be a patient people. Help us to wait with peace, as it says in the scripture. Help our hearts to be quiet and our minds to be less troubled. Give us a sense of your peace, God, of your patience toward us. May we have just a tiny bit of that patience for ourselves, for each other, for this world. And God, may we cast all of our troubles on you because you are able to bear all things. Thank you, God, for your patience with us. Thank you for changing our world for the better each day. Amen.